0: With KJ Martin set to be an LA Clipper, it is time to find out even more about the son of a former Clipper, and joining me today will be a guy who's covered him for three years, the host of Locked On Rockets, Jackson Gatlin, going to be getting into everything Kenyon Martin Jr. on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers,
1: your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team, every day. My name is Darren Vizieri. I'm your host, been a Clipper fan for going on 19 years. Born and raised in LA. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper and Locked on Clippers, free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to tell me anything and everything that you know about Kenyon Martin Jr.'s game. And to do that in more depth, we have Jackson Gallon, the host of Locked on Rockets, making his Locked on Clippers debut, at least with me as the host. Jackson, Usually have me on Locked On NBA, but now welcome to our turf, Locked On Clippers. I'm excited to be here, man. Excited to talk
1: a little KJ Martin with you. Hopefully, uh, educate the audience a little bit about what type of player they are getting themselves into. Now, I will say I've been on Locked On Clippers before. We've done crossovers back in the day, um, ages ago, back when the Rockets were relevant and like crossovers mattered because it was like you know like two potential playoff teams previewing each other. That kind of that hasn't happened for a few years though with this Rockets team.
0: Yeah, but you guys are definitely going to be more exciting next season with all the young players, the young talent, and you lost a little bit of that young talent in Kenny Martin Jr., so I first just want to hear your reaction to the news that he would no longer be a Houston Rocket. Were you disappointed? Was it not a big deal given all the other guys you have? And what kind of player are we getting and how excited you know, should Clipper fans be for this guy?
1: It, it was a little disappointing because of the four young players that the Rockets lost with Tai Washington, Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher, and K.J. Martin. K.J. was, A, the oldest of that group of guys, um, the guy who would kind of showcase the most potential. I don't know if K, K.J. isn't this guy who has this, like, you know, secret, like, hidden star caliber potential. You're not getting some, like, you know, diamond in the rough who's going to turn into, you know, an upper echelon type NBA player. But he does what he does incredibly well. And I think the best thing that KJ does is he knows his role on a basketball court. Like he knows exactly the things that he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to do them, impact the game, be a good, you know, a good energy guy, whether he's in the starting lineup or coming off the bench, high rebound kind of guy can be impactful on both ends of the court in a variety of different ways and has really kind of grown his game over the last three years from where he came into the NBA as a rookie and over those first three years of his career with the Rockets. So I was a little disappointed to see him go, but you kind of saw the writing on the wall. They wanted to bring in Dylan Brooks. They have Jabari Smith Jr. They have Tari Eason. They just drafted Cam Whitmore. There's only so many wing minutes to go around and somebody was going to get the squeeze and it just so happened to be K.J. Martin, unfortunately.
0: So the first question that I have laid out here in the first segment is, is he a three or a four? Now I know in today's NBA, it's positionless basketball and you have, you know, wing, big, and guard. He's listed at 6'6", 215. But for whatever reason, when we played against you guys this season, it felt like he was bigger. Maybe it's just because Marcus Morris, Nico Batum just felt so ancient at that four spot for us that it made Kenyon Martin Jr. look that much bigger but he looks a little taller than 6'6" in person at least from a distance from where I saw him maybe it's the high flying ability but where would you put him would you think he can be a a guy that can be the second tallest guy in a lineup for the clippers is he more of a 3 because he only shot 31% from 3 or 32% from 3 last season so i'm concerned if as a you know a 3 in the lineup he would be a good floor spacer he would be a threat offensively what do you think he, so he's definitely he 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 can
1: play both right he can you can play him at the 3 or the 4 part of some of the, his game he's been able to round out a little bit his ability to put the ball on the floor be it in transition or even attacking off closeouts in the half court when the defense maybe makes the mistake of closing out on him because, as you pointed out, right, he's not the best three-point shooter. So that is kind of a tactical error if you close out hard on K.J. Martin. He's the kind of guy you want to, you know, make take those three-pointers. You don't want to have him, you know, with a with a breakaway drive towards the rim because that's his bread and butter because you give him two steps towards the rim and he's already in the air and he's going to he's gonna yam it or, or, you know, he's got a really nice soft touch around the rim. I, I think he can play the 4 In short stints, he's not somebody you want as your full-time four. He's not somebody you want giving a bulk of minutes to the four. But if you want to run small a little bit, um, he definitely, especially defensively, he plays bigger than he is okay. like he can match up against some bigger players and kind of hold his own. He's got a really strong body for being he is about six, 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 seven, maybe in sneakers. Um, So he's not, you know, massive Um, and he's doesn't you know, he's not this like, you know, brute, but he plays bigger. His post defense is actually better than his perimeter defense. Unfortunately, that's another kind of knock on him is. Like there are times when he can lock in a little bit one-on-one defensively, but some of it, like his lateral quickness and maybe just some, sometimes I think kind of just the awareness on defense is where it kills him is maybe his rotations are like a half second too slow, that kind of thing. But he is a guy that you can plug in at the three or the four. Again, positionless NBA. He's basically a wing player. And aside from the shooting, there's not really a lot that you lose out of him, whether you're running him at the three or at the floor. I think it's more about the other players you want to plug in around him. Uh, But I will say that whether you plug him at the three or the four, one of the best skills that he's going to bring to the table is his screening ability. He is a fantastic screen setter for a guy, his size.
0: Okay. That's great to hear. I think the way you're describing him is he sounds like a guy that would play the four for the Clippers just because you say a guy that can set screens that isn't the best shooter in the world, but if he gets around the basket he's deadly and also guarding bigger guys and not guarding the perimeter as much. I can see him being a guy that's out there alongside like a Mason Plumlee or an Evita Zubats. And then you have three more skilled kind of perimeter based guys around him. So I think even though he's a little undersized for that four spot because of his athletic ability, I think, and today's NBA, I think he'll be able to get away with it there. So we'll look forward to seeing what position or where he's put this season for the Clippers, but as You mentioned it also depends on what we want to do with other guys like Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington. There is a consolidation trade coming from the Clippers very soon. But coming up, the big thing the Clippers needed is some more defense in the front court. Coming up, going to be talking about KJ Martin on the defensive end in a bit. You ever feeling down and in a tight in a tight spot? I know I've been in a tight spot, and whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else. Therapy helps you connected to what you helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement, trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. All right. So, Let's talk about KJ Martin on the defensive end. Defense is something that I always say you really got to watch these guys on a nightly basis because there's not really any stats to me that fully can capture what a player does defensively because a lot of the stats are based off who they're sharing the court with. So, you know, you just talked about he's a better post defender, interior defender than maybe a perimeter defender. But just how good of a defender can Kenyon Martin Jr. be or is he, I should say, because you know, we had Marcus Morris that's about to start, and it was liability city sometimes. But then we have Nico Batum who declined, but he's still pretty good. Definitely, uh, probably I would assume better than Martin laterally. But give me some insight on KJ Martin on the defensive end.
1: So I, I think KJ is a guy who definitely suffered from just the whatever you want to call it the rot of losing in Houston. Right? The other, you know young players around him, the lack of structure, all that he's a guy who has all the physical tools to actually be a problem on the defensive side of the court. And you see, and you've seen flashes of, you've seen potential from him on that side of the court. I do think his biggest weakness is at times again, Defensive awareness, especially when he's on the perimeter, Uh, I do think, especially when he's off ball, he can get caught a little bit, you know, ball watching, not paying attention, whatever. Um, He does recover really well because he's got, uh, you know, just that abundance of natural athleticism. So even if at times he'll get beat either, you know, guarding one on one on the perimeter and, and a guy beats him on a drive, gets that first step, whatever. He's a guy that can recover, get back into the play and still maybe even contest or block a shot coming from behind because he's got such insane hops, the leaping ability, all that. And that does kind of lend itself to the point that I made in segment one with him playing a little bit bigger than you would expect for a guy that size and why he can kind of play up in that four position, uh, both from a rebounding perspective and then also just from like being able to kind of I don't know if you ever want to like rely on him being your primary like rim deterrent, but if you're playing him at the four, more than likely he's going to be able to maybe get away with cheating off of his man, depending on you know who he's matched up against and kind of staying a little bit closer towards the interior on the defensive side, kind of being that that weak side help presence who can rotate over and maybe stop a drive or contest at the rim and that's something that he wasn't really afforded the opportunity to do a lot of this past season with the rockets because they actually stopped playing him at the 4 like they did in previous years basically kj's first like 2 years with the rockets he was exclusively a 4 and then he this past year he kind of transitioned more into that 3 role as he got more confident and capable with his ball handling ability and put, being able to put the ball in the deck both in transition and uh, in the half court. And then from the defensive side though, that kind of took away some of what you got to see him do with those high flying insane, like highlight reel blocks that he had his rookie year. He had like blocks on like every seven footer in the league because he was playing so close to the interior and playing off of guys like Christian Wood and Kelly Olenek and other guys like that, that it afforded him the opportunity to kind of cheat over and be that kind of rim deterrent. So that's something that you're getting out of him at least defensively if you run him at the four uh, instead of on the wing.
0: Okay, those are some good things to hear because the one thing I'm really looking for is in a hypothetical situation where teams drag Ivica Zubats or Mason Plumley away from the basket, needing someone that can rotate at the rim and just be a, a presence above the rim for some secondary help, kind of similarly to how Aaron Gordon does with the Denver Nuggets. That's Something actually
1: a great like comp. That. It's so, like KJ, I think does. And I'm I, sorry to cut you off, Dari. It, no, just, it's good. We need more. I know. I I, I I just, I love the Aaron Gordon comp. That was always the guy that I kind of envisioned KJ might be able to be one day, kind of that Swiss army knife where he's never going to be your primary or secondary or even tertiary option offensively. right? But Aaron Gordon is another guy who, when he finally got to the nuggets and was able to just kind of settle into the things that he can do really, really well on the floor using his size, his athleticism, all of that, kind of being that Swiss Army knife for them, whether it's, okay, you need to focus on rebounding night, or, hey, you're going to check the toughest defensive assignment, or, hey, we really need you to take advantage of mismatches on the other end because they're going to try to guard you with a smaller player, and so we're going to post you up or we're going to run back screens and get you rolling hard to the rim. All those little things that you see Aaron Gordon do and and that you saw him do on his way to a title with the Nuggets, those are things that K.J. Martin is absolutely capable of.
0: That sounds good. My last question before we move on is, do you think, and I don't think this is going to be the case, but the Clippers really have talked about this, or I don't know about the if the Clippers have talked about it, but fans have really talked about this four spot and the weakness and the fact that we needed to get younger, more athletic. So that's clearly what the front office went for with this move. You don't expect, and you sh- you wouldn't think that K.J. Martin shouldn't be our starter, do you? That's not what we should expect. It seems like we've had this discussion about right with Kawhi Leonard playing the four or not. I personally think Kawhi Leonard should Paul George at the three, and then we start Terrence Mann because Terrence Mann just seems like you talk about a guy that can do a little bit of everything. For us, that's Terrence Mann. And it's it's a huge thing in Clipperland that he doesn't get enough minutes. So if we want to downsize and Tyloo likes to go small, I think Kawhi Leonard will start at the four. But there seems to be this general consensus that Kawhi will not want to do that or that Tyler won't want to play him there. So if we do start a four, I mean, I would think KJ Martin might be considered because Nico Batum, Marcus Morris are old and Robert Covington was just kind of out of favor last season. Should we expect Kenyon Martin jr. To be any chance of being a starter or most likely a bench player?
1: I think he's a guy that can absolutely be a starter. I think there's certain players in the NBA, right. That maybe, they struggle when their roles shift, right? Whether, you know, maybe they're used to being a starter and they they start coming off the bench and they're not able to really get into their rhythm the right way or coming off the bench kind of throws them off. And then vice versa, right?
0: That was Terrence Mann last season. Sorry to cut you off on that. No, yeah.
1: there, no so there, there you go, right? KJ is a guy that for the better part of the last two years in, in Houston, especially this past season, he was the swing player for the Rockets, basically. So if a guy was out of the lineup or whatever, like, KJ was the guy that got the nod from being on the bench to then being plugged into the starting lineup. So he would start for a few games, then he'd be back to the bench for a couple weeks and he'd start a few games. And then eventually when Eric Gordon found himself a Clipper again uh, for his second stint with the Clippers, Eric Gordon took over, or sorry, I apologize. KJ Martin took over that starting three spot, um, which like Rockets fans had been begging for for so long because the production is always there. KJ is a guy that will get insane numbers and he'll do it in like the weirdest, like most quiet way. Like he just gets his buckets off of easy, like offensive putbacks or like just simple rolls to the rim where he's just left wide open Um, because he's like the, the guy that you maybe lose track of offensively. Cause you're so, you know, if you're so worried about, shutting down Kawhi and PG and, you know, other offensive options, you're going to kind of lose track of KJ Martin, right? He's a guy that has that insanely quick second bounce. He'll get you some just hustle points, you know, two, three buckets a game from getting an offensive rebound and going back up with it, that kind of thing. Um, So I do think there's absolutely a world where he could be in play to be a starter. And the one thing that I would say that that kind of been, the added benefit that that would give you is, it allows you to have, I guess, four guys, one through four, right, that are all kind of switchable, interchangeable defensively, that kind of thing, um, depending on how you want to, or depending on how Tyler would want to deploy uh, Zubats, I guess, if he wanted to maybe switch things one through four and then have Zubots out there uh, just dropping cover, you know, whatever kind of coverages he wants to run with him. That would be the one area. Although if I were running the show, I'd say Terrence Mann should probably take it,
0: honestly. But see, that would mean Kawhi Leonard playing the four, and then there's resistance there potentially.
1: See, like, and that's, but if that's a Kawhi thing, right? Like, if Kawhi doesn't want to play the four full time, then like, I get it. Like, KJ is a decent option to then throw in there. Um, if Kawhi is not amenable to that idea of playing the four full time,
0: well, the way you're selling them right now, it sounds like exactly what we need some athleticism, somebody that can get some dirty work points, just need more spring. Because the Clippers are very old and last season, last couple of seasons, pretty slow. But coming up, we talked about the defense. Let's hear about KJ Martin offensively and what we could expect there. Going to be talking about that coming up. All right. To close out, KJ Martin, there was one game this season that I went to where he lit us up and he just happened to make every three he took. Now, I'm not expecting any of that. Obviously, that clearly, based on the percentages, ended up being kind of a, I want to say, a fluky game. He shot 32, I'm sorry, 31 half percent from three this season. A career high, though, 13 points a game and five and a half rebounds. So to see him average double-figure points is a great sign. What can we expect from him offensively? You said he's improved putting the ball on the floor and attacking closeouts, but the defense is smart. They shouldn't close out too hard. What's his ceiling, you think, as an offensive player? Obviously, you said a role player, but what can that look like, you think?
1: You know, the really weird thing with KJ is he's had some some stretches. Even though you look at, like, the blanket percentage for the past couple years, uh, you know, shooting the ball from distance. He had, like, for example, two years ago, um, he actually finished his post-All-Star break splits uh, for shooting the three ball. I want to make sure I got this right. He shot 42% from three post all-star break two seasons ago. So, and that's like a decent sample size. Like, you know, a third of the season where he managed to shoot 42%. And it was, I remember Rockets fans were so like excited. Cause it's like, Oh my God, he's got a heater. Like he can actually shoot now. This is insane. I don't think he's ever going to be like a knockdown three point shooter. And I do think that at times he was forcing too many threes here on the rockets. I think that in a, in a perfect world, he is getting, Easier threes, not necessarily threes above the break. Um, It really felt like when he was shooting from the corners, he was a little bit more effective, but he didn't get many. And this is purely eye test. I could be completely wrong here. Unfortunately, I don't have the numbers to back me up. Um, It just felt like when he did get corner threes, he was a little bit more comfortable taking those. Those are, uh, you know, a shorter three shot. And those are some of where you see some like three point specialists, right? Guys who thrive on hitting those corner threes, as opposed to the above the break threes or the top of the three keys or top of the three top of the key threes. Wow. It's a good thing. I don't talk for a little one, man.
0: That's a tough one.
1: It's a tongue twister. You, you know what? Locked on Clippers listeners. You guys try saying that five times fast. Okay. Um, anyways, no, it's, so I do think there's a world where he can be a better three point shot. I, in, in my book, I always kind of chalked up to look, if KJ can get to like 34, 35% from three, that's enough to where he's respectable to where it'll still open up the rest of his game, to where he then has those opportunities to get inside, to attack, to drive, to cut, um, all those little things that he can do uh, and really be effective inside. And I did mention a couple of different times, right? His ability to put the ball on the floor has gotten a lot better to the point where even... You know, if a defender starts kind of closing out on him, he's got like he's got more comfortable with his first step and he's got that insane athleticism where once he's got like his shoulders past you and is able to just kind of shield off the defender and get towards the rim, he's got this insane touch with oddly like both hands around the rim. He does this like kind of teardrop looking shot. But he gets up so high in the air, Dorian. It's like he's dropping the ball in the hoop. Like, it's like he's playing on a, like, it's basically like he's playing on a
0: Nerf basket. You're making him sound like Dr. J right
1: now. (laughs) Dude, I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Is like, wait until you see it actually happen. It's kind of funny to watch because you're just like, dude, like it. Sometimes when you watch KJ jump, it's like he's levitating in midair, like legitimately. Like he has to be like a top five at minimum top 10, like leaper jumper high flyer in the entire NBA so when he does get to the interior on a drive he's got that soft touch he doesn't just have to get all the way to the rim and like power up for a dunk or for a clean layup like he got that little he's got that teardrop with a little bit of touch on it um, that started to work really well for him then he's also been able to utilize like I talked about some of the putback opportunities that he would get he was able to like get some of those putbacks. And if he's in, not able to like immediately power back up, which he does have a very quick second jump as well, which also helps him on the defensive end. Cause sometimes he'll bite on, you know, on a pump fake, but then he's already back up in the air with the second, with the, with the springiness. So, uh, you know, offensively, I just think he has a lot of touch and not necessarily a lot of craft around the basket. Like he doesn't have like a, insane like layup package or anything he's just really effective around the rim once he can get there so I do think that he has an ability to make an impact offensively he's just not a guy that you need to like you don't want to have to rely on him for offense if you're relying on him for like 12, 15 points a night, that's where you're going to kind of be a little bit disappointed, which is again, very kind of similar to like Aaron Gordon, right? When he was in Orlando and they had to rely on him as like a number one, number two option. It was kind of disappointing when he had nights where he couldn't really produce, but then he goes to Denver, he's got, three different guys in Jokic, Murray and MPJ ahead of him in the offensive pecking order. And now it's like, okay, well, whatever you get from Aaron Gordon is just gravy. Like that's incredible. If he's going to give you 15 and 12, then like, you're totally stoked with that. That's what KJ can provide. The rebounding is a big thing for him. Um, because he just out jumps and outworks a lot of other guys. He'll snag rebounds that you, like he has no business getting on either end of the floor just because he's jumping that much higher than everybody
0: else. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I was going to ask uh, but that's amazing to hear about the finishing. I didn't know any of that, the soft touch around the rim and all that. My last question about his offense is so like in today's NBA, a lot of the role players, if they're not three and layup guys, they don't really get even asked to shoot other shots, and because his three ball is not that great, my question is does he not really just have a, does he just not really have a jumper at the NBA level as of now?
1: No, like he, he is not a guy that's going to pull up like from mid range. He's not going to, he's really not going to shoot the ball anywhere. In fact, like he doesn't have like, like even his three ball is a little weird. Like he's got like, it's not like a hitch. It's like a low, it's like a low kind of gather. And yeah. it's very much like a set shot. Like he's like, <laughs> he, he almost looks like one of those like robotic machine. Like when you see like the robots that shoot the threes, like that's kind of what he looks like. Um, yeah. It's not like a broken shot. And again, he does hit them. Some regularity again, not as much as you would like to see, Um, but he'll go through, he'll go through like stretches, right? He'll go through stretches for like a, a few weeks or a month where he's like shooting like decent or have like a game or two where he shoots, you know, really respectable. And then he'll, what, what tanks his percentages is he'll have, you know, a couple games here and there where he'll go. Oh, of one, one of three, one of four, like those kind of games where he just doesn't get like a large volume of threes. And then that just overall kind of tanks his percentage at the end of the day. The other thing that I didn't get a chance to highlight, though, with him offensively, um, I did talk about right his ability to put the ball on the deck. The thing that really surprised me this past season was how much better he got as a secondary, not, I won't say secondary creator, just making the right extra pass at times. And so the the big one, though, was the, uh, the swing pass or, like, the skip pass to the opposite corner when he would drive. So, like, he would start putting the ball on the deck, he would drive it all the way to the rim, and he would attract, like, the low man, right, and get that second defender over, and then he would swing the pass to the opposite corner. And it was like, he just started doing it this season, and the first time I saw him do it, I, like, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? Like, KJ's gonna swing it to the opposite corner for a wide-open three? That's new. And then he did it, like, again, and I was like, oh, it's not a fluke. This is, like, a thing that he can do now. So, it like, that coupled with just kind of the decision-making, right? Like, you know, not taking you know, passing on a good shot for a great shot, right. Recognizing, okay, I have this shot, but just, I guess overall that like slightly better court awareness. And maybe that just comes with being a little bit older, you know, the game kind of slowing down for him, going into what was year three for him. Now it'll be year four next season with the Clippers. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of optimism for you know him to be a successful offensive guy on this Clippers team.
0: Well, that was some really great stuff. You've gotten me very excited to watch him play now. And I think you'll have a lot of Clipper fans after listening to this excited as well. He's Sound- a fun player, man.
1: He's a y'all, look, I'm going to say Clipperland is going to enjoy him because he is a highlight reel waiting to happen every single second that he is on the court. Like you do not, my, my biggest thing, do not look away from the screen when KJ Martin is on the court, especially in transition, be it it transition defense or transition offense because you could get an insane like I'm talking Showtime Lakers like highlight level you know dunk package out of him offensively.
0: Lob or, City Clippers baby, Come there you on go now. right.
1: Lob City, it's <laughs> Lob City Clips are coming back with KJ Martin. He's going to revitalize Lob City all by himself. No, and then defensively right again, you'll see some insane shot blocking from him. Some great contests at the rim. Uh, he did a pretty good job again this past season of like staying vertical on his contests, just using his body, getting his arms up and down when he jumps, man, his
0: head is at the rim. Like it's, it's crazy. So I'm excited. It sounds like a very different player than his father, but we'll see if he has as good of a career. And now that's going to be with the LA Clippers Jackson. This was great. Let everybody know where they can find you. um, Cause this was very thorough. You can clearly tell, you know, KJ barn, maybe as well as anybody.
1: Uh yeah, you guys can track me down uh on Twitter at JT Gat. Are we plugging threads yet on this show? <laughs> you can. <laughs> um hey, yeah. sure. You know, just no, just just track me down on Twitter at JT Gatlin. Of course, I do the locked on rockets pod uh five days a week, just like Daria does locked on clippers. I'm also the uh, Monday locked on NBA host with the three uh biggest stories from around the NBA
0: landscape to get your week started off right. So check me out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much. Locked on Clippers listeners. You already know what to do. Hit the subscribe button at locked on rockets, but also locked on Clippers. If you haven't hit the notification bell, so you know, every single time we post a video and let me know everything you know about KJ Martin go Clippers.